Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This time from Pastor Graham Mabry. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. There's an accepted way of behaving in lifts, isn't there? No, no one teaches you, but we know there is. For example, you never get into a lift and face the back. Causes all sorts of consternation if you stand in a lift looking at the, the way you came in. You've got to go into a lift, turn around, face the front. When the lift doors close, the numbers of the floors become rivetingly interesting because that's all anybody looks at. You stand there, mute, you don't, not, not much conversation in lifts. Uh, Tony Campolo caused chaos in a lift in New York one day because once the doors closed, they were going 77 floors without stopping, so he got them all singing. But that's another story for another day. In the lift, you stand and you look at the numbers and that's what you do. So imagine you get in a lift and someone else gets in with you and you realise they're not obeying the rules, actually looking at you. And then they say, excuse me, and you... Look at them, and as you look at them, they catch your eyes and hold your eyes with a, with a gaze. And then they say, I just want you to know, I know about you. <laughs> I know all about you. Now, I don't care what number you pressed, you're getting out of that lift at the very next floor. You're leaving. And so would I. I'd do exactly I wouldn't be staying around. I think I'm in the lift with a crazy person. I'm getting out of here. But the other thing is we, we do get uneasy. Some of us get uneasy because we know there's things we don't want people to know about us. But all of us know deep down, somehow it's written into us, that we have this amazing capacity to be deceived. Jesus said to every church in Revelation, his words, for everyone he said, I know. So we're looking at Jesus coming and saying, I know all about you. And most of those churches didn't know. The psalmist in Psalm 21, he says, every person's way is right. Sorry, Proverbs 21, every person's way is right in their own eyes. The psalmist in Psalm 19 says, who can discern their own errors? So if we're going to have ears to hear what Jesus is saying to the churches in, the, in, in Revelation, we're going to have to, first of all, remember God's plan for us. Do you remember Jesus announced what God's plan was when he announced his mission? He used Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Uh, he's anointed me to preach good news, deliverance for the captive, sight for the blind, uh, beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise instead of heaviness. Well, that passage goes on with a fabulous image, a scriptural image, very biblical. It occurs a lot in scripture. The image of a tree, and it says this, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's your destiny. Our destiny as a church, your destiny as an individual. God, you, you're created by God's design. You may have been a surprise. Somebody in the prayer school, somebody said, you may have been a surprise to your parents, but you're no surprise to God. He planned you. He has a unique place. He wants to plant you, and he wants to display his splendor through you. He's planted us in these unique campuses at Burragoon and Mount Pleasant, at Kubalup and Burragoon, sorry. And he's wanting to display his glory through us. That's your destiny, that God might display his glory through you. Wow, it's pretty neat. 
A magnificent tree like that one stood for generations in an area where people could enjoy it. They climbed it when they were kids. They sat under it and and cuddled when they were lovers. They enjoyed its shade. It was a beautiful part of their community. So they were absolutely stunned one day when in a storm, there'd been many storms, but in this particular storm, that stunningly lovely tree came crashing down. How can that happen? This tree has stood for so many, so many storms. When the arborists came in and examined it, they said, ah, I'll tell you what happened. Human development began coming closer and closer and closer. But we thought it was a long way from the tree. It's all fine. But the roots of this tree go out four times at least further than its foliage. And as you've ripped and torn the edges of the roots, decay got in. And little by little, ate its way in through the root system. And then came the storm and the tree went over. Keep that in mind as we listen to the reading today. Keep in mind God's plan for us. Keep in mind what happened to that tree. And keep in mind, if you're going to understand Revelation at all, this this section, you've got to understand and remember the heart of your father. Remember, keep in mind the heart of God, especially when he's confronting his church, especially when he's saying, I've got something against you, I know about you, I've got a few things against you. You have to remember the heart of your father and you have to forget. I think the Lord said to me this week, tell them to forget Uncle Festus. Tell them to forget Uncle Festus. Now, don't send Nick an email suggesting I need a holiday. Let me explain Uncle Festus to you. It's this guy. Uncle Festus is right here, if I can get that's it. Uncle Festus is that person who puts you down, whose voice makes you feel small. Feels like you're having your nose rubbed in your failures. You feel humiliated. You feel isolated. You feel condemned. Above all, you feel wounded. And possibly that voice is in your head to this day. You know who Uncle Festus or Auntie Agony is. That is not the voice of God. You have got to forget that voice. Many of you have sung this truth For years, years and years and years. We sing great is thy faithfulness, right? Most of you know that. Okay, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with you. You change not your what? Compassion. Your compassion fails not As you have been, you forever will be. But if you're like me, that's just words we sing. And I felt like the Spirit was saying, Graham, have the church sing it this week. But sing it into their spirit. Sing it to the enemy. Sing it so that they actually get a new understanding that I never change. My compassion never fails. So Christine's going to lead us. And I'd love you to sing it with me. I'll turn my, I'll turn my mic off as an act of mercy. <laughs> sing it, but sing it. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to birth this in you fresh. So when that voice comes that isn't God, you go, hang on a minute. He changes not. His compassions never fail. Let's sing it together.
Thank you, Christine and Simon. God is love. Yesterday, today, forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He infuriated the religious because he kept loving people they thought he shouldn't love. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a beautiful word in the Hebrew Bible. It's used over 240 times to express the character and nature of God. It's the Hebrew word chesed. There's no English equivalent. In fact, there's a new book just been written. They were going to call it Undefinable. They settled on the name inexpressible in the end because they said this character of God, this love of God cannot be conveyed in English fully. It is inexpressible. It's an inexpressible mystery. The mystery of God's loving kindness, his covenant compassion. The Bible says, and I know this is one of Nick's favorite passages in Exodus 34, God came down and stood with Moses. And it says that God proclaimed his name before Moses. And he didn't, the first word out of it, when he stood with Moses and proclaimed his name, the first word out of his mouth wasn't holy. The first word out of God's mouth wasn't powerful. The first word out of God's mouth wasn't perfect. He's all those things. He's holy and he's powerful and he's perfect. But the first word he said to Moses was the Lord, the compassionate. The compassionate and gracious. He said other things. But the first thing he wanted Moses to hear is, I'm compassionate. So let's hear how our compassionate father talks to the church that he longed to display his splendor in, in Sardis. Thanks, John. John's going to read it for us. I'm reading Revelation 3, verses 1 to 6. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, John. Such a blessing to us. So many ways. I know you, says Jesus. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Sardis is confronted with the difference between reputation and reality. See, they were seeing the tree the day before the storm. Hadn't realized what had been going on in the roots. You can see beautiful buildings and impressive programs 
and lots of activity. And that can be, by the way, a healthy sign of a wonderful work of God. But it can be disguising stagnation and death. You never want to confuse activity and anointing. And Jesus sees this danger in this church that he loves, so he goes, wake up. Now, Mel Mabry always says, tone is everything. She used to have a little poem on our kitchen wall, and it started, it's not what you say, it's the way that you say it. So how do you think Jesus says, wake up? Because it's very important to know how he said it to this church. Well, let me try and help you. Imagine you see a beautiful little child excited and happy and you know how when kids are running the world ceases to be they've got no focus on anything except moving and that's how they get so many stitches but you can see this child is running into grave danger how would you call out now imagine that child is your child or your grandchild how would you call out now imagine you gave your life for that child How would you call out? That's the urgency of the love in the way Jesus calls to this church. See, God always speaks love because he is love. And I've discovered over the journey with Jesus, and I think one of the things he wants me to say to you today is this. God reveals what he longs to heal. I was, walking, I was down at a staff retreat a couple of years back and I'd had some symptoms which were a bit alarming and, uh, and thank God it was fine, it was, God was so good to me but I didn't know that at this stage so God kind of had my undivided attention at this particular retreat and I was walking across a field, we'd been set off to do some individual time with the Lord and I was walking, it was January down Mandura, down at Mandurah and the field was quite dry as you can imagine and it was crackling, the dead grass was crackling under my feet and out of nowhere the Holy Spirit just said to me, two things I should say as a backstory here, two things God talks to me about probably more than anything else, my relationship to him and my relationship to my wife and uh, to love him and to love her is very central to walking with Jesus for me and I'm walking across the and and it was like in an instant the Holy Spirit said this is what one aspect of your marriage is like at the moment neglected dying crunchy and it was it actually hit me physically it came out of left field I shared it with the guys later in our group prayer time and said it just you know it confronted me but there was hope with it God was revealing something he wanted to heal I didn't feel condemned. I didn't feel pushed away. I felt sad. I felt shocked. But there was hope. If the voice in your head is not bringing hope, it is not the voice of God because he is the God of all hope, Romans 15 tells us. God can't not bring hope. He's the God of hope. If you feel condemned, it's not the voice of God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And clearly Jesus is saying to Sardis, if you wake up, you will live. If you wake up, you will live. And they did wake up and they did live. Because in the second century, the church in Sardis is described as being healthy and strong and faithful. And the church stayed there for another 1,300 years. So they did wake up and they did live. 
The reason I've got the bones in that picture is because there was a time when God took Ezekiel to the place where hope seemed utterly gone. You might remember Ezekiel 37, he takes him out into the valley full of dry bones. And those dry bones are the remains of the army of Israel. The army of Israel, this is the worst possible thing for a Jewish person. The army of Israel was the visible expression of the power of God. God's deliverance and salvation was expressed in this army. And this army is not only routed, it's rotted. The worst thing for a Jewish person is to have your bones left out in the open, just in the field. So this is a place where hope is dead. And God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's not silly. He goes, oh, Lord, only you know. If you ask the question, you answer it. And, and God says to him, okay, we'll do this. So he takes a step. Now do this. So he does that. Now do this. And as Ezekiel obeys step by step, just like when we do, this great army rises up again. And God says, my people say, here's the point, Ezekiel, my people say our hope is gone. It's cut off. We are cut off from God. But I tell you, I'm going to put my spirit in you and you will know that I am the Lord. You will know that I am the Lord. I'm praying this morning, that'll happen for you. See, when he comes to the church and says, you're dead, he's also saying, but it's okay, because I raised the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. Just ask Lazarus. He was dead, wrapped up in grave clothes. He was smelling he was so dead. It's on the nose, he's so dead. And I called his name. You called my name. And this morning, Jesus is calling your name. And as a church, he's calling our name. Not that we're dead, but calling us on to a new place in him. The next place in him. When Jesus speaks to us, he speaks in a way that's uniquely suited to you. He knows you. He created you. He made you the way you are for a reason. He knows exactly how to speak to you. Not like he speaks to me. Always from scripture, always in agreement with scripture, but unique to you. And so when he talked to farmers, he talked about fields. And when he talked to fishermen, he talked about fishing. And when he talks to Sardis, he talks about clothes. Because Sardis was a big textile centre. These people knew clothing. Some people think dyeing wool was invented in Sardis. So he says to them, my paraphrase, have a look at your clothes. You've soiled them. Not they have become soiled, not passive. You've done it. You've soiled your clothes. And I can imagine them going, how did that happen? How did we do that? And his answer would be, well, just like that tree, little by little, baby step by baby step. See, what's happened is, baby step by baby step, like Eve in Eden, you heard that little voice that said, did God really say that? Will you really die? Die? Won't you be a bit more like God if you do this? And little by little, we start thinking, oh, well, I I can be God rather than trust God. And baby step by baby step, I start going my own... Incidentally, that's all sin is in the Bible. When you read the word sin in the Bible, it just means that, going your way instead of God's way. Little by little, baby step by baby step, We come into what Deuteronomy 29 calls a place of poison. Deuteronomy 29 says, this turning to your own way, little by little going into your own path, is a root that produces bitter poison. 
a root that produces bitter poison. You see, sin's great weapon is making us unaware that it's even there. We don't notice. These people didn't realise the situation they were in. We don't notice as footholds become strongholds. Throughout scripture, in fact, one word is often associated with sin. It's the word deceitful. Jesus talked about the deceitfulness of wealth. Paul told the Ephesians, your old nature is corrupted by its deceitful desires. And at each baby step, we believe a lie. And the lie says this, oh, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. It's, only, it's just that, it'll be fine. In fact, on the scripture there, Deuteronomy sums it up. It says, it's, if this root, what it produces is the idea that I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. Howard Hendricks was doing a course on leadership and in order to train new emerging young leaders, he went to 246 pastors who had had to leave their ministry because of an inappropriate relationship within a two-year period. All of them were prepared to talk to him in the hope that it would help others learn from their tragedy. And what he discovered was that every one of that 246 pastors to whom he spoke said the same thing. I never thought it would happen to me. Every one of them. I never thought it would happen to me. Deceitful. Hebrews says, encourage one another daily because of this danger. But it also tells us what happens as a result of this danger. It says, encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See what happens when you're going your own way little by little. Your heart just gets a bit harder a bit harder. Your conscience moves from tender to seared. It becomes easier and easier to hear what our human nature, our human nature starts to shout louder and louder and God's soft prompting gets easier and easier to ignore. Keith Green wrote these words, what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. We're coming to communion. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine of your blood. I haven't given any examples of how this happens because I thought the spirit was saying to me, Graham, let me talk to my people. Just outline the principle. So let me say, have a look at your clothes as the spirit speaks to you. See, Jesus comes to this church and says, it's not your reputation, it's what you're relying on. It's not reputation, it's reliance. Reputation can be such a troublesome... We're not, many, many years ago, I had started doing itinerant ministry. Merle and I were working with homeless young people. We were doing camps for churches right across the body of Christ. So I was getting, at least in Christian circles, to be reasonably known. And I'd been a music director and various other things. And, and this guy came to do some meetings in the city and I had been very keen on his ministry once but he really did get into some very strange and unhelpful doctrine. So I kind of went, oh, that's the end of him. And when he was coming back to Perth, you going? No, I'm not going to go. He's into weird doctrine. When I was sitting in my study later that day, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Graham, uh, how long since you heard him speak? Oh, some years. Are you the same as you were back then? Well, no. Oh, I see. So, so I can do a work in, of grace in you, but I can't do it in him. 
He's still disqualified. I'm sorry, Lord, I'll go. Very reluctantly, I went. Mel was quite happy to go. I wasn't. And so I went to this meeting and he gave this challenge. I knew God was challenging me. Knew it to the core of my being. And then he says, of course, would you come forward? And I'm sitting in my seat thinking, not while I breathe. (laughs) I'm known. These people know me. I don't go forward at things like... In the end, I, had, I just thought, Lord, you resist the proud. I don't want to be where you resist me. So I go forward. Would you believe? There were, that place was packed. Guess how many went forward? <laughs> I'm standing there on my own. The only, and it was a challenging thing to respond to. And do you know what? I thank God I did. Something broke. Finally got to see it's not about me. I mean, I've still struggled with it. Maybe you don't, but I have. But we started a journey, Jesus and I then, by going, you know what, Lord, my reputation doesn't matter. It's relying on you that matters. That's all that matters. It's where my reliance, where my trust is. So Jesus sees this danger in his church and he says to them, wake up. And then he gives them three, out of the love in his heart, he gives them three imperatives for them to, to cling to. He says to them, first of all, remember. Remember when we started? Let me do that for you now. Do you remember when you met Jesus first time? Maybe you haven't yet, but this is what it's like when you do. Remember when you'd been like the prodigal in the pig pen and you turned up on the brow of the hill and you were covered in the muck of your choices and your life? And did the father stand on the hill and go, well, look what the cat dragged in. Proud of yourself, are you? Finally remembered the way home, did you? No, that's Uncle Festus or Auntie Agony. Get rid of that rubbish. The father hitched up his robes and he ran to you and he wrapped his arms around you, pig pen and all. And then he said, bring the best robe and put it. This one was dead, now they're alive. Bring the best robe. When Joshua stood before the Lord in the book of Zechariah, you can find it, Satan was there to accuse him, the scripture says. He was, says his clothes were filthy and God says, take that stuff off him, give him the finest robes. I'm going to clothe him with salvation. Jesus says to these people, come and walk with me in white. It's even better than that because the Bible says God wraps himself in light. You find that in the Psalms. And Paul says, now you are light in the Lord. Jesus wants to scoop you up and wrap you in his light. And he says, when you remember this, hold it fast. Repent just means turn back. So Jesus is saying, don't struggle with the stuff that's not right. That keeps you focused on the stuff. Turn back to me. Keep coming to me. Live in my embrace. Live here. Hold me fast. Live in this embrace. Those 246 pastors that had tragedy all had one other thing in common. Long before the problem that occurred, they had stopped having regular daily time with Jesus. Oh, they, had, they studied the Bible. That was their job but actually keeping that relationship to Jesus alive and fresh. See, as I've thought about this week, and let me conclude with this as we go into communion, 
As soon as I, I looked at the whiteboard when I got back from America, saw the topic that I'd been given the privilege of speaking on today, and I went and read it, and as soon as I read it, a sentence jumped out at me, and it's jumped out at me ever since, and when we had our prayer day as a team on Tuesday, it was really reinforced there, and it's this sentence. I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. You know, it's not finished. I find your deeds incomplete. See, it doesn't matter how far, how much progress you're making if you're going in your own way. It doesn't matter how far up the ladder you've climbed if it's leaning against the wrong wall. In the message translation, um, Peterson puts it this way, your busy work isn't accomplishing anything. None of God's work's getting done. What if you're here today by divine appointment? Maybe you weren't even going to come to this service. And what if God wants you to hear his heart for you? God wants to plant you in your unique place to display his splendor. And he put this other verse about trees on my heart, which is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will still bear fruit in old age. If your hair's my colour, they'll stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is my rock. Okay, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church is 60 years old, but it will still flourish like a palm tree, growing like a cedar, planted in the purposes of God, bearing fruit in this chapter of its journey, saying the Lord is our rock. And the God who called us into obedience to birth us is calling us into obedience to the next chapter. But it's not going to be in our way. It's going to be Yahweh. Some of you might be sitting there thinking, what can I do? will never confuse prominence with significance. I once heard a a very successful, very godly, wonderful minister who'd had a very prominent ministry, and he said in a talk one day, when we're in heaven, I can imagine the Lord might say to me, I want you to come forward. And people who knew me might think, well, you expect that. He had a great ministry and he's going to get his reward. But he said, when I get down the front near Jesus, he will hand me this reward and say, now I want you to present this to Mrs. Jones. She's a little person nobody really knew, but she prayed for you every single day and the power in your ministry was fueled by her prayer. So would you present this award to her? And he said, it'd be my privilege to do so. Never confuse prominence and significance. God wants to display his splendor in you and he wants you to finish. And here's the great thing. Paul told the Thessalonians, the one who calls you is faithful, completely dependable. If Jesus said it to you individually, he will do it. If Jesus said it to us corporately, he will do it. The reason we can trust Jesus to complete the work in us if we go his way is that cross. Jesus did not stop halfway. Just before he went to the cross, he prayed this to his father in John 17. Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing. Finishing the work you gave me to do. And on the cross, he called out, teleos, the Greek. Finished, paid in full, sin defeated, all power given to me. And I ask you to come and walk with me. You know, Paul guarded his relationship to Jesus more closely than anything 
He said, I count everything else manure just to guard this that I might know him. So when he is about to be martyred, he writes to Timothy, I've finished. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I believe God wants us to go into communion. This is another way of me just trusting the Holy Spirit and you praying for me if I'm wrong. Praying one of that same Apostle Paul's prayers. I want, us to, I want us to pray it for ourselves. I want us to pray it for each other. I want us to pray it as we step into communion. It's the prayer he prays in Ephesians 3 for the church. And in a moment I'll get you to stand together. And I don't want us to read it. I really want you to pray it. Pray it. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do something in the realm of the Spirit as we pray it together. As we step together into what's coming next for us as a church. So would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, this can't do any harm because we're reading the words of Scripture. But would you, would you make this a significant moment for this gathering of people that you handpicked and put in this room right now? May we pray it with one heart. May we pray it with the anointing of your spirit. It's on the screen for you. Would you pray it with me? Let's go. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people right through this nation to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Church said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.